Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join the discussion, email us at yogahour at unity.fm. Now, here's your host, Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and I'll be sharing with you today some insights and practices from the spiritual tradition of yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization. Yoga is a Sanskrit word that means oneness, meaning union or unity, bringing our attention and our awareness to consciously abide in our essential spiritual nature, to be restored to our original wholeness. And so yoga is self-realization. It's knowing our spiritual nature, and then, of course, that means living in harmony with it. Uh, Today's topic is deciding to be free, the mystery and delight of surrender. So we're going to take a look at the nature of surrender as spiritual practice and um, perhaps offer some surprising insights um, that are needed to enter this way of surrender. This surrender, of course, is surrender of the illusion that we're separate from the source of all and that the ego is in control of our lives. And this awareness is key to the experience of real freedom. So we find surrender as a spiritual practice in every mystical tradition and as a cornerstone to the 12-step recovery programs as well. In this uh, series on the Yoga Hour, we've been looking at the yamas and niyamas, the restraints and observances in Ashtanga Yoga, and surrender is the 10th on the list of 10, um, wrapping it up, uh, tying it all together, and of course it is a key practice in the tradition of Kriya Yoga as well. Joining us today is Rabbi Rami Shapiro, an award-winning author, poet, essayist, and educator. Rabbi Rami is widely recognized as one of the most creative figures in contemporary American Judaism. In addition to writing books, uh, Rami writes a regular column for Spirituality and Health magazine called Roadside Assistance for the Spiritual Traveler, and he has a um, blog at Rabbi Rami. Blogspot.com. He's the author of numerous books, including one that we'll be drawing from today called Recovery, the Sacred Art, the 12 Steps as Spiritual Practice. His website is RabbiRami.com. Welcome, uh, Rami. I'm so delighted to be having a conversation with you again. Well, thank you. It's always a pleasure to talk to you on the phone. <laughs> Thanks. So before we dive into this conversation on the mystery and delight of surrender, let's take a surrendered moment and meditate. Mm-hmm. 
open our hearts and our minds to divine omnipresence. Just beginning the journey this morning of letting go of the idea that we are separate, what Helen Watts called skin-encapsulated egos, separate units. And with the out-breath, let that idea go and feel that we are connecting to all that is one life, one power, one presence, one reality called by many names. It is the source and the substance of our lives. So right here and right now, we can recognize first intellectually just discerning that there is one reality. And then through our experience and our intuition, beginning to feel that to be true. We are like waves on the ocean of life. Individual expressions, but divinely connected to the source. So in this moment and in any moment that we meditate or pause for prayer, simply be consciously aware of our breath. It can be a moment of surrender, of letting go of the struggle to be in control, the illusion of being in control, and simply coming to rest in the awareness that there is a power and a presence greater than the ego that is at work in our lives and in our world. And as we stop trying to hold on, trying to control, we can become aware of thoughts and feelings sort of settling down. And glimpse in that settling of our thoughts a moment of peace. And let's let that peace expand as we breathe in, breathing in peace. And then breathing out peace, letting it overflow as blessing for all beings everywhere. is the paradoxical connection between a surrender and freedom. The topic, uh, the title for the program, Rami, I of course took from your marvelous book, Recovery, the Sacred Act, and in the um, third uh, chapter where you talk about step three in the 12-step program, you have entitled it, Deciding to be Free. We made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God. So sometimes, you know, we're coming to understand surrender. This connection to freedom and surrender can be uh, paradoxical. The, you know, standard understanding of surrender is sort of like giving up. And it can mean the opposite of freedom to people. You know, um, not being able to do what I want, you know, not being in control of the situation. (laughs) And um, so let's look at how surrender is a doorway to freedom and how it can in that way be viewed as spiritual practice. So, Rami, how do you define surrender? Um, Let's start there. Okay. I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I have to surrender those definitions. I I think think when we're talking about surrender and we're talking about freedom, 
we have to make some clarifications, and, and, you, and you did that. When, when most of us say, I want to be free, the I that we're talking about is the ego, and the freedom we imagine is the freedom to do, just as you said, whatever we want. Surrender is surrendering that ego. It's letting it go. Not getting rid of it, because I don't know how to do that. I don't think that's even possible. I think it's just allowing it to take its own place, its rightful place, its natural place, which isn't the place of sovereignty over us. I mean, the ego has a role to play. If I don't have an ego, it's very difficult to function uh, in, the, in the ordinary world. But that's its role. It's, it's, it, it's the manager of my daily life. It isn't... Um, the coordinator of my daily life, it isn't, isn't running that life. But I think that when we talk about freedom, we're talking about it most often from the sense that my ego, the I, uh, should be free to do whatever it wants. And then, then we're talking about license, really. Mm-hmm. And surrender is getting rid of that idea, is letting that idea go, not letting the ego go, just letting it take its rightful place, but letting the idea go that you are in charge. Okay. The challenge of surrender especially when you say, you know, okay, I surrender, is the very, is the, the very I that says I surrender is the I that needs to be surrendered. So I think it's a subtle uh, trap maybe is, is the right word, or, or a, we're, we're tricking ourselves when we say, oh, I've surrendered. Well, mm-hmm. as long as it's, there's an, a subject there, I, that is doing the surrendering, then you're not really surrendered. The I has simply taken a more, either become better at, at uh, disguising itself or it's become more subtle or it's, it's just uh, hiding somewhere more deeply in our spiritual practice. It's, mm-hmm. It seems to me so easy to turn spiritual practice into a kind of narcissism for that egoic I. And it just feeds that I. And we talk about, oh, I had a great meditation or I'm opening up to this, that, or the other, or I'm becoming more spiritual or more loving or more compassionate. As long as there's an I there, I think there's a problem there. And that real freedom comes when the I is put in its right place and something else is, is active. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very hard to articulate. It is. And as you were talking, I was thinking about my own experience. And, and I think, you know, it will be helpful if you and I talk about that a little bit. Um, uh, and my own experience with this is that surrender is a kind of, well, first, it's a letting go of a quality of drivenness and trying to control everything and everyone. So it's first that, um, and then it is, um, uh, I would say, a quality of willingness, a quality of willingness to be open to life as it is. Um, And so, you know, I think for me and perhaps for many others, the, the mechanism that surrounds uh, ego's sense of being in control has to do, you know, not only with trying to control external uh, situations, but of course it has to do with trying to control our own um, feelings, you know, about the way that life is. And, um, you know, that's what ultimately, you know, leads to all kinds of behaviors to to try and stop and mask uh, what we're feeling. But, of course, when we do that, we shut ourselves down from um, the, the source. You know, we, we cut ourselves off from life itself. So, for me, that practice of, of surrender is, is, a, is a quality of willingness to be open to what I'm feeling, to what I'm experiencing, you know, to to what life is rather than how I would like to run away from it. Okay, and, and, and I, I find that very helpful. I, I would still say that as long as I'm talking about, you know, how I feel and how I experience life, there's still that egoic core there that needs to be surrendered. I, 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 don't, I, I would rather not talk about surrender and talk instead about being surrendered 
Mm-hmm. I think that, that if, as long as I'm seeking to surrender, I think I'm fooling myself. Yeah, I can get more spiritual in a sense, and I can get better at exactly what you said, you know, accepting reality as it, it, it manifests. But being surrendered is when that I, at least for a moment, is gone, is cracked open, crucified. Pick your favorite religious metaphor. Um, you know, I, I love I love the the end of Mark. <laughs> this is going to sound a little of a stretch, but bear with me. The end of the Gospel of Mark, when Jesus is hanging on the cross, unlike the Gospel of John, where he has all these beautiful things to say. In in the Gospel according to Mark, Jesus says, "Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani?" My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And on a spiritual level, metaphysical level, it's the ego expecting some reward for for you know taking on the, the crucifixion and, th- and then discovering, no, my goodness, there's no reward. You've forsaken me. Because there, th- there is no reward to the ego for being crucified. The ego must be crucified if there's going to be, if you like, a resurrection of the true self or a realization of the true self. And so there's that moment when the ego is abandoned and then dies. And that, to me, is the moment of being surrendered. But, you know, you mentioned, um, and stop me because now I'm on a roll here, but you mentioned that this is the third step of the 12 steps. And in the third step, that's where we get this amazing phrase. Um, We made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God. And that's an amazing thing to say because I understand God in my own image, and the I and the my here are ego. So the God I imagine is always the God that's working for the benefit of me, myself, and I, and all those are, are egoic um, dimensions. So I'm only turning my life over to a higher power who's only going to feed my egoic self. And ultimately, I think 12-step takes us beyond that. And like you said, in the yoga practice, you get to the 10th um, practice, the 10th stage, and um, it's surrender, but surrender of the whole thing, the whole delusion of I'm in control, the whole egoic game. And I would argue that, that religion is part of that egoic game, but it's a, it's a strange game because ultimately it bites you in the butt and, and devours, like the, the Ouroboros, you know, the snake biting its tail. Mm-hmm. You start out feeding the ego, but if you go deep into a spiritual mm-hmm. practice, eventually it will devour the ego, and you're left, well, you're gone. So you're, you're not there at all, and it, that's being surrendered, and that's where a transformation happens, and when the ego returns, because if it doesn't, you're in big trouble, when the ego returns, it returns transformed a little less about control. And then you go and you do it again and you do it again or, or you practice over and over again. And, and you never probably, as long as there's an ego, you never lose that desire for control completely. But it's less and less. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and, and perhaps it's more of an empowering, you know, maybe after years of practice, it's more empowerment of self and other than uh, controlling things. Exactly, yes. So it comes to be a doorway then to a different way of living. Um, We're going to take a break in just a moment here, and when we come back, we'll talk some more about this, um, just a little bit about the how of um, entering into a surrendered way of living. You're listening to The Yoga Hour with guest Rabbi Rami Shapiro. You can find out more about uh, Rabbi Rami's work at RabbiRami.com. We'll be right back with you. You are listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. To support this ministry, go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Your contribution helps us broadcast messages of love and inspiration throughout the world. When you pray, do you wonder if anyone is listening What should and can you ask of God? Why aren't your prayers being answered? Prayer is a challenge for many of us. 
Now there's a new book that can help deepen your understanding. Based on his 35 years in ministry, author Jim Rose Murgy has developed a prayer and meditation practice called The Gathering. In just 40 days, The Gathering will become your foundation for a genuine, ever-deepening experience of God's imminent presence and unlimited power. You'll understand that God can't fulfill your needs, but your needs can be met. You'll see that prayer isn't something you do. It's something you experience. Explore Jim Rose Murgy's new book, The Gathering, a 40-day guide to the power of group and personal prayer. Available now at www.unitybooks.org. Online Radio is turning five this year, and we're throwing the biggest bash of all, a cruise to the Caribbean, November 10 through 17, 2012. We'll celebrate in style aboard Holland America Line's Eurodam with sunshine, fine dining, and a selection of island excursions at beautiful ports of call in the Eastern Caribbean. Plus, feed your spirit with music, message, and meditation. Your favorite hosts will be there, and we hope you will join us too as we celebrate five years of spiritual programming at Unity Online Radio. For more information, visit www.unity.fm forward slash cruise. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and I'm joined today by Rabbi Rami Shapiro, author of the book Recovery, the Sacred Art, the 12 Steps as Spiritual Practice. And um this is a wonderful book that um, I'm glad we get to sort of take a look at this morning and, and draw from, and I, I want to recommend it to our listeners. You can, you can get it through Amazon. You can find out information on, about it on Rama, uh, uh, Rabbi Rami's site. But I'm going to read a little bit from it as we begin this segment. In the introduction, Addiction, Spirituality, and the Process of Uncovery, and uh, Rabbi Rami begins with a quote from Bill W., uh, of the founder of 12 Steps, one of the founders, and uh, he says, first of all, we had to quit playing God. And Rabbi Rami writes this, here is the heart of 12-step recovery, quit playing God. Most of us tend to equate 12-step recovery with specific addictions such as alcohol, drugs, gambling, food, sex, and shoplifting. If we suffer from one or more of these addictions, we may seek out a book like this. If we don't, we won't. Um, That's a pity. 12-step recovery is much more than a way to escape the clutches of addictive behaviors. 12-step recovery is about freeing yourself from playing God. Since almost everyone is addicted to this game, 12-step recovery is something from which Everyone can benefit. So what does it mean to play God? It means living under the delusion that life is controllable. It means constantly struggling to maintain the illusion that you are controlling it. It means lying to yourself all day, every day, insisting that with enough effort, you can get life to do whatever it is you want it to do. It means having to mask your failure at controlling life by blaming others, your parents, your spouse, or your partner, your children, your colleagues, your friends, for your failure. It means having to dull the pain of failure with booze, pills, television, overwork, or whatever your method of numbing yourself to the reality of life's uncontrollability may be. It means spiraling into the madness of delusional thoughts and addictive behaviors that make sense only to mind drunk on the insanity of its own divinity. So, um, you know, this is a wonderful introduction. And, of course, it, all of this conversation about surrender is just one paradox after another. So, of course, you know, our nature is divine. 
And as you were saying, uh, Rami, in the beginning, we have this challenge with the ego on the spiritual path because we take that information, you know, I am divine, and then we um, begin to operate as if we are playing God in our life and in the lives of others. And uh, that creates a lot of problems. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think what you read was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, yeah, I don't know who wrote it, but it was whoever wrote that was absolutely brilliant. So there's my my uh, my bowing to my ego. Uh, but yeah, the, the paradox is at the, the heart of all these things, which makes you know that's what makes it so difficult to talk about, but makes it so rich. You know, it's it's so easy for us to mistake um, the I for our true nature. And we do it not only with regard to ourselves. I would say we do it with regard to um, our teachers, uh, and, you know, especially in the spiritual world, uh, the, you know, our, our um, spiritual our gurus and things like that. We do it. I mean, now this may sound horrible, and, I, and I, I'm going to say it anyway, but I apologize in advance if, if this is a little too too extreme. But... You know, the very idea, the wonderful sayings of Jesus, the I am statements of Jesus in the book of John, um, I am the way and the light and the truth, and, and you can't, no one gets to the Father except through me. You know, we assume, incorrectly I would say, we assume that Jesus is speaking from the ego, because if I were saying it, I would be speaking from the ego, when in fact he's speaking from the divine self, of which the ego is a small part. And, you know, when, when you hear someone say, I am the way, and you uh, hear it from an egoic perspective, you then surrender to that person as mm-hmm. opposed to realizing that what's being said is the true self is the way. Mm-hmm. The true self is the realization. Mm-hmm. And that if you're going to be surrendered to be something, don't be surrendered to another human being. Be surrendered to that self. Mm-hmm. And uh, with the capital S, you know, and, and yeah, um, yeah, and that conversation no, is from the I, yeah. is from the I am instead of yeah, I am exactly. this person. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly, right. and it, it gets very confusing because we're so egoically um, shackled, and and uh, it, it colors everything that we do, including our religion and including our spiritual practice. And so the only way. The only way I can think of, anyway, the only way that spirituality can get us is by is through the back door by tricking us, by feeding the ego in a sense, allowing us to say God as you understand God. Otherwise, it'd be too hard for us. So, allowing us to go egoically into this place, and then to have the divine through whatever practices we're engaged in, sort of I mean, pull the rug out from under us, so that. Uh, we're constantly being, the, the ego is constantly being uh, stripped away. And eventually, we find ourselves, uh, well, we don't find ourselves at all. Eventually, we simply exist. We, we are the true self that we've always been. And the ego takes, first, I think the ego disappears for a second, and then it takes its rightful place so we can function in everyday life without the illusion that that managerial aspect of myself is in fact my true self. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Does that make sense? It does, and and oh. I think you know it sort of leads us into um, how we can talk about what some practices are. You know, we've already mentioned some in our conversation. You know, I I talked about you know for me the first um, little little tiny step that I take is a is a willingness step you know, to let go of the illusion, you know, that I'm in charge, that I'm, I, from the ego perspective, am in control of my life, and a willingness to um, let go of various ways that I might be, uh, you know, that I might take on to run away from discomfort um, or, you know, just not being able to deal with what is. So for me, you know, one of the practices of willingness to be with what is, to um, experience it, to explore it without having to run away from it. Um, and for me, there's a, there's a connection to faith in there that, you know, the ego may not 
like what is going on in life, but there's a sense that always there's, um, in wholeness, there's, there's support, there's, um, there's a presence of, um, well, wholeness is the best word, that, that allows me um, peace, um, letting go of the struggle. So that, it's, it's difficult to talk about, but that's my experience of, of surrender. So I, so I would offer me, that me, as the way I enter in. Okay, so, so let me just jump on that for a second. So in, in the Hebrew Bible, or in Judaism, we call that responding with uh, the phrases, he nani, here I am. So when, mm-hmm. when God calls to Moses, God calls to Abraham, whenever God calls to you, the response is, you know, here I am. I would understand that that whenever, however, which means every instant, however that instant manifests, life addresses you, the only response is, here I am. And it, it's, it's a radical acceptance of what is, uh, without... Uh, like you said, without running away from it and without trying to change it. And I think that's, I mean, that may be the ultimate practice <laughs> is simply to be present to reality as it is. And then, then I think you have to stop um, any kind of philosophical talk and then go to the personal, the, the personal experience like you, you did. Because my, my experience is the same. When I'm not running, when I'm not trying to change things, when I'm simply present to reality as it is, I too feel a supportive presence. Um, you can call it God. You can call it the, the, the large S self, whatever you know, whatever your terminology is. But there is there is something there, not just with me, but as me mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that allows me to navigate whatever's happening in a way to. This is you know optimal, right? But it allows me to, to navigate whatever I'm experiencing in a way that, that allows me to uh, optimize compassion and justice. You know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's, it's, Absolutely. It's not a, it, it, by accepting reality as it is at the moment isn't a, isn't a passive act. It's an <laughs> no, active engagement with that reality. It's not like mm-hmm. just, oh, I, I surrender to whatever evil is happening. No, it's a radical acceptance of whatever is happening and then an equally open, um, I was going to say defenseless, you know, no barriers, mm-hmm. engagement with it. But coming from not the ego, which will always be co-opted or defeated, but coming from the larger sense of who I am and, and knowing in, from that perspective that I can, I can engage this with love and I can engage it with compassion and with with. Uh, justice. So it's a, it's a very active, I mean, and maybe, maybe the ultimate spiritual practice is simply engaging each moment with compassion and justice. Uh, and, a, and then I think you're doing it with a sense of equanimity when you do it with a surrendered self. Yeah, and we can um, begin, of course, um, pretty early on to experience the distinction between those ways of being. You know, a, a surrendered way of being, there's, um, we may not always be comfortable, but there is a peace that's, that's there, that's different, that, that you, you can feel and know as distinct from the kind of, uh, drivenness that, um, goes along with the egoic, um, state. And, um, let, let, let me, let me interrupt you and, and ask to go a little bit more deep into that, because I think, you really said something important that it may not be comfortable, but there's a kind of peace. Mm-hmm. So, so tell, tell me more about that. <laughs> this Let's is my see. show now, and you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> what would I say? Um, I would say that, you know, when we stop uh, running away through various kinds of mechanisms of trying to control the way things are, um, we, we experience our own vulnerability, for one thing, which is not so comfortable. You know, the, the ego is all about avoiding the sense of vulnerability. You know, that's a lot of what being right. in control and being in charge is about. So when we stop um, the behaviors, 
and below that, the belief system or um, when we begin to question that, to begin to let it go a bit, we we start to experience our own vulnerability. And that's not comfortable, but it there is so much more aliveness in it that, um, uh, you know, in my experience, I... I I fairly soon discovered it's it's a preferable way of being um, because the other way of being um, is not it doesn't have that quality of aliveness. Right, it has a frenetic nature to it. It can be very active, very busy, but exhausting. And, and I think the aliveness you're talking about is a great word. And it's it's, it's from a never-ending source. Uh, so that it's not exhausting, but it's also not busiest, busyness. It's, um, it's just this joyous engagement, but I don't mean happy, but you know, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. Uh, <laughs> because life can be very, very sorrowful, very painful, you know, really mm-hmm. difficult. And, and I'm not trying to make it any better than it is. It, it has those moments. But you can engage those moments from a sense of, of surrender that allows an aliveness to come through even in those moments of grief and those moments of horror. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's, you know, to the extent that I've experienced those kinds of things, mm-hmm. I think that that's true. And when we look at, you know, what it's like to live a surrendered life, and you mentioned um, that, you know, we let go, we surrender, and then uh, a little while later we get to do it all over again. <laughs> That's, you know, that is that is my experience um, as well. And, um, you know, there's some uh, teaching in yoga that there is, the, there is um, a point at which um, that one becomes established in the true self and doesn't fall out of that awareness uh, again but up until that time there is a kind of um, surrendered living and then forgetting the truth and so you know moving back and forth um, the question I have is you know what you know what are some of the practices that we have in our our, our spiritual um, uh, bags that that help us with this wild horse you know of the mind and the ego that you know, wants to take off and control um, the the situation and remove us from the intimacy, you know, with the the true self. So, what do you, what do you do to stay out of that scenario to the best of your ability? Well, let me say two things. I mean, I, I'll I'd be happy to share what I do personally in my own spiritual life. But before I before I talk about that, the notion of trying to control that horse or, or to control the monkey mind or, you know, all, the, all these metaphors we have for the, the, the never-ending madness that is my brain, uh, none of them work for me. So, so I don't try to control it. I, what I try to do, and I think chanting helps with this, which is chanting is my primary um, practice, and I... And I uh, Attach chanting. Uh, can't think of the word. I integrate my chanting with a lot of walking meditation. So I do a lot of walking, a lot of chanting, and what I find is that sets me up for silent sitting. And when I'm doing those things on a regular basis, and the chanting you can do all day long, but when I'm doing them in a formal setting on a daily basis, when I do get to that silent sitting, it's not that my mind is any less wild, it's that there's a part of me that doesn't care, you know? It's mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm, I'm centered and I can watch it do what it does. Mm-hmm. And if, mm-hmm. if I'm not sucked into it and I realize that the watcher is, is not wild, you know, that the, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, sort of Ramana Maharshi kind of understanding that the eye that is aware of the, the monkey mind isn't, Mm-hmm. wild like the monkey mind and and i continually take refuge in that of course as soon as i objectify that mind it's it's not true <laughs> self anymore so that's that's the constant you know trap there but there are moments when you're simply resting as the the, the big s or the the i am kind of concept 
and you can watch whatever happens. You can you can be aware of your mind being crazy, and it doesn't matter. And when and when it no longer matters, you can just watch it. I, I once in a while it's it just gets bored with itself and it stops doing it. Uh, so so you know I, I've given up. I, I know this may not sound great for someone who works in the spiritual field, but I I've I no longer meditate or chant or do my walking practice for any other purpose than to do it. You know, I used to try to get enlightened. Well, I have given that up. In my 40s, I, I contacted my Buddhist professor uh, at Smith College, uh, Dr. Uno, and I said, you know, I've been doing this since I was a teenager when you taught me, and it doesn't work. And it was a long story, but we had this conversation. He says, okay, now you're ready to know that it doesn't exactly. work. <laughs> and stop trying to do something with your meditation practice. You know, just meditate. And, you know, eventually it dawned on me that I actually enjoy chanting, even if it didn't do anything for me. And I enjoy walking and I enjoy sitting in silence, even if I had no benefit from it. So all the benefits become secondary and there's just a joy in sitting there. And I'm not saying that's enlightenment. I'm just saying that's a nice way to spend half an hour. But I think that you have just described very well um, a way of surrendered uh, spiritual practice and surrendered living, you know, letting go of that agenda that has the wrong premise anyway about trying to get enlightened. So we're going to take a little break now, and when we get back, uh, we'll talk a little more about living that surrendered life. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and you're listening to The Yoga Hour with our special guest today, Rabbi Rami Shapiro. Visit his website, RabbiRami.com. We'll be right back with you. If you've ever wondered how a specific Bible verse might be interpreted metaphysically, then Interpret This is for you. In Interpret This, Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley answers your questions about the Bible and how to apply its verses to your life with passion, depth, and spiritual insight. To submit a question or to enjoy any of his numerous metaphysical interpretations, visit unity.org and click on the Interpret This box. When you truly understand the laws of the universe and live a life based on these profound and unwavering truths, then your dream life starts today. No more waiting. No more wandering. If you're ready to let go of the striving and move into the allowing, you are ready for everyday attraction on Unity Online Radio. We study the teaching of Abraham given to us by beautiful Esther Hicks, So we can release confusion for clarity, exchange struggle for serenity, and have the time of our lives today. Join host Ray Zander every Friday at noon Central Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Unity Online Radio for Everyday Attraction, where the law of attraction gets real. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at yogahour at unity.fm and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien and my guest today is Rabbi Rami Shapiro author of um, the book we're drawing from today, Recovery, the Sacred Art, the 12 Steps as Spiritual Practice. And I want to mention that Rabbi Rami has um, written many, many books, um, some wonderful commentaries on the the scriptures, um, always with the um, quality um, that you're you're hearing today of, of really looking at what is the the deepest uh, truth that we can we can touch. So take a look at at his books, which I highly recommend. So we're going to conclude in our last segment this morning with just taking a look at the surrendered life. Um, you know what is it to live a uh, a surrendered life? Uh, what is that? What is that like? What is it? And you know, in earlier when we were talking a little bit about um, uh, 
opening to life, I, I was thinking about how you defined uh, spiritual growth in, in this book, Recovery the Sacred Art. And I want to read it uh, to our listeners today because I really liked this uh, definition. Um, he, uh, Rabbi Rami writes, What I mean by spiritual growth is this, an ever-deepening capacity to embrace life with justice, compassion, curiosity, awe, wonder, serenity, and humility. An ever-deepening capacity to embrace life with justice, compassion, curiosity, awe, wonder, serenity, and humility. Now, in my experience, surrender is the key to that. And you can't really have that experience, as far as I, I know, for myself, without that key of surrender. Yeah, I, I would agree with that totally. And, and uh, I, I would say two things. One is, you know, if someone says, oh, I'm, I'm spiritual and religious or spiritual but not religious, however they do it. And, and oftentimes they mean nothing like what I wrote in the book, nothing like what you just read. It just means they feel one way or another. It doesn't mean they engage the world one way or another. The way you can gauge your own spiritual progress, if there is such a word, I don't not really think that's a great way of saying it, but the way you can, you, can, you can gauge your own spirituality is are you more compassionate, more just, more curious, you know, more, more alive? And uh, sometimes we engage in practices that actually deaden us, but uh, those that I think are, are the most authentic are ones that enliven us. And then your notion that surrender is crucial uh, is, I mean, I agree 100%. If, if I'm not surrendered, then I'm not going to be open to what is. I'm going to insist it should be something else, either because I deserve it or because I want it or I have a temper tantrum or, you know, I belong to the right religion or the right club and we're, we were promised that it's going to go a certain way and it's not working out, and, you know, whatever it is. And, and I think that surrender is, in a sense, a prerequisite and also, I don't know if the word's benefit, but uh, you sort of need to start with surrender and, and then the more you practice, the more surrender, the deeper you go into being surrendered. And it's, it is an integral part of our practice, but one that, that we don't usually Mm-hmm. tap into because it's it's frightening and in you know as we talk about yoga i'm thinking about you know the connection um between yoga uh and and surrender and in some set in some ways we could say that they're actually synonymous <clears throat> you know yoga being um a sense of wholeness or unity right uh, letting go of the sense of separate self and you know, there's a saying in yoga that yoga is learned by yoga. Right, that's what we're trying to say. <laughs> and that's, so that's really how it is with surrender. You know, surrender yeah, is which, learned which, by surrender. By surrender, right, exactly. Which, in a sense, says nothing, and in a sense, says everything. And that's the paradoxical nature of spiritual practice. But, but let, let's take a look, just, and I know you don't mean yoga this way, but let's take a look at Hatha Yoga in, in the States, you know, the way it's, it's done. It's not, I mean, sometimes it is, but oftentimes it's not about surrender. It's about powering through a posture. <laughs> it's about dominating your body. Uh, I, I studied Iyengar yoga, and oh. there, though there was, I, I didn't get a sense anyway in that with my teachers that that was a part of it. You, you were basically entered into the posture as best you could, however you could do it, and that was good <laughs> enough today. And there was a sense of surrender to this is who I am today and this is how I can bend today and, and that's it. As opposed to uh, other teachers I've had from other yoga systems where it's, it's this competitive sport, me against my aging body. And that doesn't work. I mean, that, that's not surrender. So we, we tend, especially, I don't especially, but in the United States, there's a tendency to turn all of our spiritual practice into competition I mean, even religion is certainly not even. Religion is competition. And we see, we see you know, one church competing against another or one religion competing against another, especially in the town where I live where, you know, the, there, there are some churches competing against our local mosque and, 
you know, it's, it's like a sporting event, except <laughs> sometimes way more dangerous. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we do, because there has to be a winner. But in true spiritual practice, like Jesus says, the first will be, will be last. The last are the winners. The people who are crucified are the winners. The people who are, are um, surrendered are the winners. But as soon as you say, I'm a winner, of course, you're back into the egoic mode, and, and you've, you've got to go through it all over again. But, mm-hmm. but it's not um, this triumphalist kind of thing, which is what we, we've turned our spiritual lives, you know, and our spiritual practices and our religions into. Um, it's, there's a crazy-making nature to our culture that just can corrupt anything, including this. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, I think, you know, as I was listening to you, I was thinking, well, you know, what would it be like to just ask ourselves, you know, what would it be like to approach um, spiritual practice um, without the overlay, um, the idea that it's about getting somewhere, right. you know, to just really examine, you know, now, but we have this tension, you know, as we've mentioned several times today in the program, we have this tension with, it's useful to know what the purpose of practice is, you know, to have an idea about the nature of the mind, the nature of reality, you know, all that, that that's useful as a foundation. And it's useful to have a discipline that will get you, you know, to the cushion or get you out for your walking meditation but at some point there there has to be a letting go um otherwise you you're just strengthening the ego yeah i I think that's i mean while you were saying it i was thinking of people like stephen bachelor and his um secular buddhism where he, he just takes away the the metaphysics of it uh it's almost like we need we, the truly spiritual, we, we should all be atheists. <laughs> and I mean that, you know, ironically, that we should give up all of our faith and just practice and without any purpose whatsoever. And then the joy that is intrinsic to the practice might emerge and we would keep doing it simply for that, that sense of wonder that arises with the practice. And then it'll work on us and, and we don't have to uh, worry about reward and, and all the rest of that. It would, it would be very interesting um, I mean, people always say to me because I, I don't I don't have a conventional view of God. I'm not looking at God as a person somewhere who's chosen the Jewish people or given us a promised land or who's watching out over my life. And if I do X, Y, or Z, I get the brass, you know, the gold ring or something. Why should I settle for brass? I want to get the gold <laughs> ring. Um, you know, I don't I don't believe any of that. I believe God is reality mm-hmm. and the, the greater field in which reality emerges. And I don't pray to God for anything. What I try to do is, is realize through various spiritual practices that God is manifesting as everything, including me, and, and including my ego. I, I think it's very important that we don't say the ego is the bad guy here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ego just, we're asking too much of it, and it needs mm-hmm. to be put in its proper place where it'll be happy doing what it's supposed to do. And, and God is manifesting as that also. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we tend to... I don't know. That doesn't give us the the triumphalist winner zero sum. I'm the winner, you're the loser kind of kind of hit that so many of us are looking for in in our religious, political, social lives. Yeah. Um, so we know when I hear you um, in your way, which I always appreciate in your writing and in your speaking, just the challenge, you know, to be to let go, you know, of of all the ideas and and to be open to what is. And I want to conclude this morning um, with a quote from your book, uh, The Hebrew <clears throat> Prophets, where you say. Your ego takes its rightful place as a vehicle for justice, compassion, and humility. It is no longer willful, but willing. And that seems a wonderful summary about living the surrendered life. And uh, Rami, I want to thank you so much for joining me today on the Yoga Hour and remind the listeners for more information about Rabbi Rami's work and his publications, to visit his website, rabbirami.com, and you would probably enjoy his blog very much. So I want to invite you come back next week. We're going to be airing a program on meditation for the love of it. 
very consistent with our conversation this morning. And special guest, uh, Sally Kempton. For information about upcoming programs at the center, the Live the Eternal Way course, which will be um, streamed and available on archive. Uh, you can uh, sign up online for that course. Visit the CSE website, csecenter.org. I look forward to being with you uh, next week. And again, uh, Rami, thank you so much. Thank you. It was wonderful. And until we meet again, remember to let your inner light shine into the world and to share your peace and your joy with all that you meet. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Rev. Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 Central, 8 a.m. Pacific for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practice, Practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. As Reverend Felicia Blanco Cerce points out in her book, Do Greater Things, there is the potential for joy, wholeness, and expansiveness designed into every moment. And the miracle is when we recognize the constant presence of these qualities all around us. Once we see what is possible, our lives then begin to change. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. The Unity message is universal, uniting, empowering, and transformational. Carrying this message to the world with the power of music and song are scores of singers and songwriters who dedicate their extraordinary gifts to helping heal the world and spread the message of unity and oneness. These are the messengers of unity. We salute the messengers of unity. The voices of the one voice of all humanity. Heroes with weapons of melody and rhyme. Waging peace. Tune in to Pazapalooza, music that matters, with host Richard McDesey to hear the music and the artists who are changing the world, one song at a time. Fridays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Hello, listeners. Did you know we've gone mobile? That's right. Your favorite Unity online radio programs are available on your mobile device. Now you can take us with you wherever you go. Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity online radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit Unity online radio and click on mobile listening. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed you don't know where to turn. 
These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. 